Well, good morning. Welcome back to Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin again. Good morning, Gavin. Good morning. We got our Tuesday episode. We begin this week talking about hope, which is the the first of the Advent weeks. On uh, some people's schedules. Isn't that weird? It changes. Yeah. Well, you know, for the saved people, it's it's hope. (laughs) I don't know which ones you guys are observing, but, you know, for us saved people over here, it's... It's despair, (laughs) gloom, despair, agony, despair. Eeyore is our mascot. No, (laughs) no. Well, if you have your Bible open, uh, if you're driving, please don't do that. But if you have your Bible open, find Hebrews chapter nine, verse 28 and uh, give you a moment to find that. I'm going to, I'm going to read that. So I'm going to ask our brother Gavin, if he would, to go ahead and open us in prayer. Heavenly father, we come, um, with much hope before your throne of grace. We hope because uh, we look back at the promises that you have given us in your word and you have guaranteed those promises with and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so we hope not with wishful thinking, but we hope with uh, longing, with eager anticipation and waiting. God, we hope. And we hope... um, Right now, we're going to discuss how we hope for Jesus' second advent, and I pray that my heart would be aligned with the writers of the New Testament, Paul among them, who said, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come, even now, and even so come. Um, We get that in Revelation as well, God. We, we, We want that heart that hopes and longs and waits for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about the second advent today. If there's a second advent, that means there was a first one. It's funny how that works. Yeah. Uh, And we see a picture of that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. And that verse says, uh, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. And that is the second advent, the second return of Christ. word advent is the coming. And we know that Christ came. And we know that when Christ left, he said, I'll be back. Or was that Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator? No, I think Jesus said it first, I'll be back. <laughs> and uh, that is the second advent, the second coming. Yeah, um, so, so in, in, in my heart, I, I want to balance the two. Um, I don't want to be one of those uh, persons that uh, reads current events into Scripture and are staring up uh, where Jesus ascended and saying, you know, he's coming back now. He's coming back. Oh, nope, it's Tuesday. Nope, it's this time. Nope, it's that time. You don't want to be a date setter? No. The the Adventists are, and that, that's where kind of we get the title, they long for Jesus, but they they overstate their understanding of the eschaton. They, you know, they, they claim dates that are not provable. See, I, I struggle with that because if you go list look at a list of, of times that people have made predictions of Jesus coming back, it just, it's... Um, it's failure after failure after failure after failure until you get to what the the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do talk about him coming back uh, in a spiritual way and moving around heaven in a spiritual way rather than coming back in bodily form. And so as people that believe in Orthodox Christianity, there's a lot of leeway about the second advent, but two things you have to understand is he's coming back and he's coming back in bodily form. So those are, those are Orthodox teachings. So one is to overdo it, and then the other one is to just be apathetic. Yeah. You don't care if he's coming back. And where heaven is the it, earth is the new heaven. And you just are just fine the way things are. And if if life could continue as it does now, this is just great. Well, why would he have to come back if this is the new heaven? 
Yeah. You know, I, I was just sitting here, I was listening to you, but my mind kept going to Chicken Little. Okay. You know, Chicken Little is constantly running around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. We have all these, these professing Christians who keep running around setting dates for the return of Christ. And 100% of those believers or those people, 100% are wrong. Right. And, and even Jesus, like, so I'm not comfortable with assigning any kind of weakness or lack of knowledge to, to Christ. But even Jesus said, I do not know the day or the hour. And I think we just have to be honest about it. We, we know he's coming, but we don't know when. Right. And so I, I think that the picture of hope is that he is coming. I think our responsibility in the here and the now is that we keep both hands on the plow, we keep one eye at the end of the row and one eye towards the eastern sky. Yeah. Well, and, and we live our life like our treasure is in up, up in heaven, but we also don't live our life based on these date setters. You know, because right. again, people have quit their jobs because Jesus is coming back and I don't need to go into work on Monday. Well, he hasn't. Yeah, those know? are the same people that buy lottery tickets and quit their job because they're going to win the lottery. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a false hope. That's that wishful thinking that yeah. we want to avoid. Yeah. Right. But but at the same time, I, I really do think that we are to live a life so dedicated to Christ and laying up our treasure so much in heaven that we are above all people most to be pitied if Christ is not a reality. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, somebody would look at a Christian and say, well, they're living their life like this is not their home. They're living their life like this is not their hope. They're living their life like they hope Jesus is coming back, or at least they're going to him. Yeah, and in, you know, and in, in every parable in the Bible where Jesus is is paying a picture of whether it's the landowner uh, or whatever it is, when the owner returns, which is unknown to the workers, you know, it's it's unknown. The owner returns on his timing; it's according to his purposes. And we don't have the luxury. We're not provided the insight to know when, just to know that he is coming. Right. Well, I, I remember when I was growing up, the uh, uh, the farmhouse sat on a quarter mile long road in the corner of the driveway um, going. So it was a, the farmhouse sat on a hill and the, the last little bit of the driveway came by the house um, sort of where the back door could hear the cars and then it had to make a turn and go around to get into the garage that took, you know, 30 seconds. It was a long driveway, but you could hear the car and, and it gave you, and I just remember when you were, I hate to say this, but supposed to be, you know, studying, but you were watching the, you know, I don't even remember what it was, He-Man or something like that cartoon. And, uh, and then the parents were coming home. You acted like you were busy, you know? And, oh yeah. And, and that's, that's just not an appropriate way to live. So I'm not recommending that I'm confessing that that's not an appropriate way to live, but sometimes that's how us, you know, we Christians tend to think about it. Yeah. And, and, and as you say that, I was reminded of the passage in Galatians that, you know, God is not mocked. It's not as if we can pray with our uh, fingers crossed behind our backs or, you know, we can uh, wait until we, we hear dad coming home, so to speak, and, and then get busy as if he doesn't know what we've been doing. You know, I think sometimes as believers, we we kind of fall into this trap. You know, when we get saved, we're very excited about our salvation. We would, we, we would try to proselytize a, a tree stump. And then somewhere along the line, some of us, it seems like, kind of lose our vim, vigor, vitality, or whatever it is, and we kind of shy away from sharing the gospel, 
And it's like we trust Christ with our salvation at the beginning. We believe that he's returning or that we uh, will, will go to heaven. But practically, Monday through Saturday, you know, we really do very little sometimes with our faith. And, and, uh, and, and it's almost that idea that, you know, we wait till dad's coming before we start acting busy. He is not mocked. It's not as if he is uh, unaware of what we do. Right. And, and, and the context of that is in Second uh, Peter 3, um, there will be scoffers in the last days. They will come to you with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And I think what you get in kind of a rut and you go, well, he hasn't come back for the last 2,000 years. He won't be coming back tomorrow. And they scoff and mock. Yeah, and I but think uh, they know, deliberately overlook this fact. Yeah, yeah, and, and so the promise is right here in this passage in Hebrews. But I think you also wanted to look at Romans chapter eight, Gavin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go there. Um, <clears throat> so Romans eight, uh, starting in verse nineteen, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Well, that sounds pretty bad. That yeah, sounds that sounds like an Edenic state gone wrong by sin, right? Mm. But it was always with a plan. I love that Ephesians one. You know uh, that that there, God established a plan before the foundation of the world to unite all things in Him, uh, things in heaven, and things on earth. So, uh, but but so this creation that was created good um, and it, at times very good was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Amen. God had a plan for this world that at times, and this is really helpful during this Advent season, that at times it's overwhelming to us because it has been tainted by sin. Every single aspect of creation, from the relationships that we have with others, welcome to family dinners, from the relationship (laughs) we have with others to to the, the the. production of our work. It's not fully productive like it was in the garden that everything just was rich in bearing fruit. So uh, to, to our relationship with God, every single thing has been corrupted and tainted, but it was always done with a future hope in mind, Christ himself to redeem a people for himself and ultimately, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hold on. So uh, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So all of creation one day will be restored, whether you believe Amen. it'll be annihilated and recreated or whether you, you think that it will be redeemed in its current state and and God will, uh, in his power, uh, make everything right and new again. But um, so this was part of the plan in hope for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So, I I mean, one of the things that you always get when a tornado goes through is where was God in this? Yeah. Or an earthquake happens. Where was God in this? And um, sin touched every single part of creation and creation itself groans longing to be restored. You know, when I hear that question, where was God in this? I've never said this to somebody, but what runs through my mind is he's in the same place he was when his son was nailed to a cross. It's all, you know, it's what you said in Ephesians 1. In Genesis 1, 1, 
you know, we, we act as though God owes us something, but the fact of the matter is God doesn't well, he need does. us. He, he does owe us something. I mean, the wages that we've earned. But, right, well, yeah, the wages he, of sin is death. But, but he owes us He that. didn't need us. So, like, it's not like God was sitting in heaven. He's, you know, he's eternal. He's not like he was sitting in heaven and bored and said, you know what, I think I'll just create mankind. He, he chose to do that. And there's nothing about creation. There's nothing about the effects of sin. There's nothing about our choices to sin that has caught God off guard. He knew those things from before the foundations of the world, and yet still did what he did. And even though his, his creation uh, whipped and beaten and spit on and, and nailed his son to the cross, even though he knew all of that, he allowed all that to happen, God from, from the cross, Jesus, looked down and amazingly said, Father, forgive them. So, so Russ and I are going to start throwing things at each other here. And one of the things when we started this podcast that we both agreed on is that we wouldn't say anything we disagreed with. So Russ is very, very thoughtful about these things, but I, I would word it slightly differently. He didn't just allow these things. He ordained these things. And so yep. he had a plan and part of, and the, the plan included a, a fall and a restoration and that, that Christ would be glorified by God redeeming for himself a people. And, and so, <clears throat> but there's hope in that. Well, the, hope, the hope is is that no matter what happens, it's it's ordained. It's it. God knew this. There's nothing arbitrary. Well, let again f- for the sake of my small brain, let me, let me keep this as clear as I can. If God sits back and waits to get involved until all sin is gone, the reality is God doesn't get involved. Right. If you have a king on the throne, hmm. and as Abraham Kuyper said. There is not one square inch in all of creation over which God does not say mine. Or another uh, pastor said, there is not one rogue molecule in all of creation. If God reigns like that, if, if let me use some biblical terms where it says, um, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell are two sparrows not sold for a penny and... Not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from your father. Amen. Not one thing happens. Right. So here's where the hope comes into that. I've got a father who reigns. Amen. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, that's our hope. The second advent is the fulfillment of all that began in Genesis 1. Okay. So, so, so I, didn't, I wasn't planning to go here, but I, I love this idea in, in Revelation 17. And, and there's a war on the lamb. So Revelation 17, 14, um, <clears throat> the great prostitute and the beast, and this, this battle scene, it's this great war on the lamb. So Revelation 7, 4, 17, 14, Revelation 17, 14, they will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer him for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who, uh, those with him are called, the, uh, are called and chosen and faithful, right? So you have the idea again, of a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, slain uh, for our sins, and this same lamb is king of kings. He reigns, right? He's Lord. He's not sitting off his throne. There's a real interesting thing that happens when you get into a dualistic theology where you think that God is he, God is on one side and the devil's on the other side and they're equal. That's problematic. That is yep. not biblical. Yeah, it's right. not yin and yang. So, so, But watch what happens. This is really interesting. 
um, in Revelation 17, 17. Uh, well, let's go to 16. And the 10 horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. The symbolism there is too much to get into right now. But listen to this. This is the point. For God has put it into their heart. Now, this is a war against the lamb, Jesus Christ. For God has put that war, these things, into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast. Here we go. All of that to build up to this. Until the words of God are fulfilled. Amen. The second advent, you know what's going to happen? When God has determined that it is best for his children, for the devil and all of his minions to be bound up and cast into the lake of fire. Why didn't he do that 3,000 years ago? I have no idea. Is he going to have trouble doing it whenever he decides to do it? Not at all. When his words are fulfilled, that's when Jesus comes back. When his words are fulfilled, that's when his kingdom is established. And, and they can, of course, his words will never not be fulfilled. But in the timetable that he has established. is, And, and so we as Christians, we groan with all of creation and we wait with eager expectation. Amen. Man, what a great hope we have. Yeah. Well, folks, I think this is all the time we have today. Man, I'm excited about this topic. I'm loving what we're doing here. I hope you're enjoying it, and we'll continue to open your Bible. And uh, until we see you again tomorrow, uh, keep opening your Bible and rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. God bless.